Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. See bobbing your head over there, Chad. Well, because you know I'm a player and I did play, not recently, but I'm still a player. Are you playing just to play? Uh, no, I was playing for the money. Are you playing for the money? Uh, you did, I did it for the money. Um, the money didn't hurt. There's no doubt about that. Is that why you got into football? No, uh, I got into football because I absolutely loved football. Um, so you did play it just to play? I yes, I played it for the love of the game, which would, I guess would be a step past just to play. Um, yeah, I don't think you play as long as I played. Uh, just to play. I played for the pure love of it all. I love the, the training. I love the workouts. I love pr- the preparation, the meeting, the strategy, the whole shebang and bang, the, the personal test of wills, all that stuff. Would you have done it for free? No. No, it's too hard. It literally is too hard. So when people out there are like, man, you guys are so lucky, I, I would do that for free. How long do you think like Joe Sixpack would play football for free before he's like, nah, this is too much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'd give him a couple of weeks max. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, the preseason's over, man. It is. Preseason's over. Before we dive into it, talk a little bit about your broadcasting experience during that time because uh, you called the games, you, Ryan Harris, Steve Levy. How was that experience different from your your other broadcasting gigs on television? Can you expand on, on just what it was like calling the games for the Broncos? Okay. Well, you know, normally you are supposed to be uh, neutral as a broadcaster. Um, but these are obviously the Bronco preseason broadcast. So uh, the uh, focus is clearly on the Broncos, not the Cowboys, the Bills, or the Vikings. And, um, you know, the opportunity to meet with the coaches and be there at a training camp. Uh, you're there to tell the Broncos story, the story of the Broncos preseason. So, you know, when it's, you know, not up to standard like the Buffalo Bills game, you know, we have an obligation to talk about that at the same time. You know, this is... Not a straight down the middle thing. We are not here to talk about the Buffalo Bills and their season and how, how awesome Josh Allen's going to be or Kevin O'Connell and what a first, uh, great first year head coach he's going to be. No, we're there to talk about the Broncos, illustrate the stories, talk about the guys, all that kind of stuff. So it's a different broadcast in, in that respect. So, uh, as a broadcaster, obviously you can wear many, many different hats and the home preseason broadcast is another version of the hat to wear. So, being out there in training camp every day like we were, yep. broadcasting, did that help you kind of understand what was going on out there? Did that give you a better insight onto these players? Uh, yeah, and more so just the, the feel of things. You know, obviously we're kind of behind uh, our table and we're doing our show for the first half of practice, so it's difficult to have a play-in, play-out understanding of, hey, this wide receiver made this catch and this outside linebacker had this many great reps. Uh, just like everyone else, we rely on the great Andrew Mason to fill in the details for us. Right. Um, but the feel, the the pace, the tempo, uh, the, the the Coach Hackett part of, of practice was definitely being there every day was instructional to dive into that part of things. And also just kind of seeing guys, uh, who's the leader, who's not the leader, who's given uh, advice, who's in guys' ears, who's who's that kind of person. So there was a lot to be gleaned and picked up from from those times that we were at practice daily. Um, but in the end, um, you know, 
if you are a professional broadcaster, you, you read the stuff, you watch the tape, and in the end, you you give your opinion as the game is going on. There's only so much homework you can do out uh, to give you some preparation for the broadcast, uh, but you still have to call the game as the game is being played. I heard you throwing MOBP. MOBP, yes, I did. Oh, uh, do you got any other catchphrases? Um. <laughs> No, I like I like MOBP because it's a uh, cheated tackle. I threw that one in. Oh yeah, I heard yeah. that. That was good. Yeah, I threw that one in last night. Cheated so, tackle. You know, I, I, it's funny because off the top of my head, I would say no, nah, I don't have any. But as the season goes along, they tend to just come out. Uh, I guess kind of organically, and then they get oh right. Let me it's make sure I add that one into their repertoire. Well, George Payne and Nate, Nate Hackett have some tough decisions to make today, um, and and so do coaches and GMs around the league. 864 NFL players will be cut by tomorrow. Uh, some of them will be brought back onto the practice squad. But for a lot of the guys that we've come to know over the last four months, the journey as a Denver Bronco is over. Um, you know, my question to you, Chad, is how many of those decisions that these guys have to make were actually swayed by what we saw on Saturday night? When you consider all that goes into scouting these guys to even get them on the team in the first place, then they get drafted or signed to the team, then you got OTAs and mini camps and meetings, and you know you're always being watched. Everything you're doing at the facility, they have eyes on you and 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 analyzing how you handle being a pro. Then you got training camp. Then the two other preseason games. So going into this game on Saturday night, were the coaches' minds already made up, or were there some guys who actually won a job? Well, we had George Payton in the booth, I think, in the second quarter, and he said a lot of the decisions have already been made. Um, so I, I think that's. Reality for most. Now, uh, when a guy like McTelvin Ejim puts together a good game, a sack, a strip sack, uh, another forced fumble there on the goal line, a couple of batted passes, I think that debates uh, or brings up a debate in those in those meetings. Um, so that kind of of stuff. When you know, was it always going to be Josh Johnson? Did Brett Rippon have a legitimate chance? You know, over the last two weeks, I think he showed some something awesome. So now they're having a discussion about. Which one of these guys can we release and possibly bring back? All those kind of discussions are going on. Um, but from a fan basis, outside the folks who, you know, maybe went to as many public practices as possible, most fans only watch the preseason games. But that's not a complete totality of the picture. These guys have been with Coach Hackett and this staff since May. There's been all the OTAs. There's been all the all the practices. How? What kind of guys are they in meetings? What kind of guy are they in the weight room? Um, as uh, Bill Cowher said to me in my rookie year, everything you do will be judged and evaluated. So the preseason is a major part of the picture, but that's not the complete total picture. You talked about McTelvin Ajim. Great game from him. Um, you know, after the Bills game, we were all talking about how the Broncos' defense needs to play a little more aggressively and step up, and I thought they did that. Any other defensive players you thought jumped out? Uh, Delarian Turner-Yale was, was physical. He was very physical. That hit on the goal line was awesome. They end up, you know, watching the, uh, the review and giving the, the the touchdown to the did Vikings. They cha- did they challenge that? They did. Okay, they they threw the red flag. They threw the challenge flag. Okay. Because it looked like he got in. I love the hit. I love the physicality. Something that we didn't see against Buffalo. Right. Um, and, and for a safety to feel like that, he had a couple of nice hits during the course of the ball game. Delarian Turner-Yale, I'm talking about specifically. Um, so he was a guy who flashed as well. Again, is that enough? Is it is the third preseason game, is that your only chance to make the roster? Or again, do you have a complete total body of work? Now, the other teams in the league don't get a chance to watch your practice tape and see who, who you are in the meeting rooms and the weight rooms and all that kind of stuff. 
So if you get a sense that it may not be working for me here in Denver due to those other circumstances, well, let me put something great on tape. So when these uh, 864 guys, is that the correct number? Yep. When the 864 guys are on the street, someone else says, you know what, let's bring that guy in because he was super physical and I need a thumper at the safety spot specifically. What about the inside linebackers that played a lot in that game? Uh, Jeremiah Gemmel, who was fresh off the – well, I don't know if he was fresh off the street, but they signed him yep. um, in, in the last week. And then Kanai Mauga, uh, the, the, the Hawaiian brother. Uh, Mauga? Is it Mauga? M-O-W, Mau, that's, that's, that's phonetic. Mauga? Well, a Mauga? lot of times in, in the Polynesian, the Hawaiian, is you do each syllable. Right. Mauga. Uh, but I don't know. I might be wrong. Yeah, and I, I, I can only go off the you know phonetic information that was provided to us. Okay, that's, that's probably right. Um, but anyway, yeah, he was all over the field. Yeah. Um, made a couple of nice tackles, had a uh, tackle for loss where he got into the backfield early, uh, did some good things in pass coverage. Um, he wasn't elite. It's clear there's a way for him to go as a player. You know, keys and eyes were in the wrong place for a guy who hasn't had much opportunity to play during the preseason. I thought he performed very admirably. Uh, Did you say keys and eyes were and eyes. in the wrong place? Right. Yes. What do you mean by that? Okay, so a back's coming out of the backfield, and you're responsible man coverage for this back or tight end, and your eyes are on the quarterback. Hey, man, the quarterback ain't throwing you the ball. Don't look at the quarterback. Keep your eyes on your luggage. Your luggage is at running back or tight end. So that's how those <laughs> l- running backs and tight ends got some separation from him because mm. he was looking back at the quarterback. That's something that you do when you're an inexperienced guy. You never lose sight of your luggage, man. No. Keep your eyes on your luggage, man. That's They say they tell you that at the airport. Has your luggage been away from you at all? If so, you can't bring it on the flight. Right. So you're, they're afraid of what's in it. When we're in man coverage, keep your eyes on your luggage. I guess that's another Chad phrase. There we go. Um, oh, so you made that up? Yeah. Right now? Uh, no, I've used it in games in the past. Wow. Yeah. You, you're a smart guy. Right? <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, but I thought he performed well, uh, played the whole game, didn't appear to be super fatigued. Um, Gimmel certainly had some times where he was tired out there, as you would expect for a guy who you know wasn't on the team very long. But uh, Malga looked fa- fantastic uh, from a conditioning standpoint, played hard, played tough, played physical, and for the most part played smart, but also had some plays that indicated – the fact that he was a you know inexperienced guy and a undrafted college free agent. Well, those guys were, were quote unquote leaving it all out on the field because for many of those dudes, um, it's it's the end of the line. Eight hundred sixty four NFL players getting cut uh, in the next couple days. Which of those guys are going to stick around on practice squad? Which of the Broncos on the bubble are going to su- survive those cuts? We're going to continue talking about that and uh, and more. Maybe uh, maybe a little Aaron Rodgers. Maybe a little Tom Brady. Uh, maybe some Pancha Karma, some ghee butter. That's next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Broncos beat the Minnesota Vikings 23-13 to in the final preseason game uh, of the 2022 Preseason, and mercifully, it's over. Um, and we can start talking about the regular season pretty soon, but the Broncos still have to assemble their team. They got 53 spots, and right now they got 80 dudes, and they got to figure out who's going to stay, who's going to go. Um, some of those guys are going to get that phone call today that they don't want to get. They're going to have to go into the facility, bring their iPad, sign their walking papers, go clean out their locker. They're going to get a trash bag. And they're going to fill that thing up, sling it over their shoulder, 
and walk out into the world, Chad. And um, that was you at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the Did you ever have to fill up the trash bag? No. Um, I the, the the equipment guy said, you know, just leave it in there. I'll box it up for you. I'll send it to you. Ah, that's cool of him. Yeah, but the trash bag is such a uh, sad exit from the facility. And it's like, come on. This team's worth $4.65 billion. You got a Broncos-branded bag back there someplace. Just don't give me a black, hefty bag to... What about a what about a Broncos branded trash bag? That'd be better than the Black Hefty trash bag. Something, yeah. This the the trash bag. It just uh, it's uh it just marks such a finality with an ugly way to your time with that team that literally you are you are discarded as a football player and take your crap with you and put it in the trash bag. Your trash. The bag is trash. I know that's not what the team is saying, but that's how it feels, and that's what the the implications of the the trash bag are for those guys who are in that situation. So that is a traumatic experience for for an athlete who's been training for this moment or this opportunity his whole life. Is there a safety net that the NFL provides for guys when they go out into the real world, or is it just see ya, good luck out there? Now there's a plethora of NFL programs. Both you and I took uh, part in the broadcast boot camp. There's a writer's boot camp. There's a, a franchise. Uh, people want to own franchises boot camps. There's a Hollywood boot camp. There's a record producer boot camp. There's a business boot camp. There's so many programs out there. But you uh, have to sign up for those. You yes. have to do emails. You have to do all this stuff and kind of sit and back and wait. And you have to be proactive in getting yourself involved in that. What I'm asking you, is there someone on the way out the door who puts a hand on your shoulder and hands you his card or gives you the resources that you need in that moment that you'll be able to hold on to as you go out into the real world? I think it's uh, Ray Jackson here with the Broncos, who was the uh, the title is different from every team, but basically the player programs guy who who's interested in you as a player, but also wants to help you in your the rest of your life, who sets up the rookies with the financial education seminars and make sure the rookies go to the rookie symposium, get all the materials with that. So there's typically a guy like that on every single uh, organization in the league who's typically a former player, whose job is to do that. Some of those guys are better than others. others. Um, but yeah, I think when you are released, yes, you go meet with the coach, you meet with the GM, you sign your paperwork, the Secretary gives you your, your travel documents, your, your plane ticket or whatever your case may be, or you're going to drive. They give you your, your check for your mileage and your gas money, whatever that, that, that looks like. And then you go sit down with this guy, and he asks you, okay, what's next? Are you going to go back to school? Can we help you get back in school? Are you going to try out for other teams? Okay, well, you know what, uh, what can I do to help you out? There's some of these programs, and you hand them a, a, a list of all the NFL programs, that I can help you enroll in. There's, there needs to be a little bit more of a proactive approach. Because um, so often, guys, yes, you're, this day that you're released is so traumatic and shocking, you're not quite in the mindset to be able to handle of what is next. You just were told 20 minutes ago your football dream has ended. I don't think you've pondered what's next. So, well, th- what they're thinking is more football. Because, hopefully, yeah, because I mean, people told me no my whole life. Right. So this is not the this is not the final no. I'm on the f- uh, phone with my agent. My agent's telling me, look, you made it this far. There's going to be teams that want you. Stay in shape. 
You know what I mean? And for some guys, that's going to come true. Which, but for a lot of guys, it doesn't. But that's what creates this long, slow burn when mm-hmm. you slowly have to realize that it's over because you're not getting any callbacks. Your agent isn't returning your call anymore. Um, but um, the fact that they survived the first cut, five players. If survived the second cut, five players means that there's a chance. Yep. And so football players believe that there's always a chance. Well, everybody does. And so it's hard to know when it's over. All right. We're going to do a little exercise here, Chad. I'm Uh-oh. going to name a player, uh-huh. and you're going to tell me if that player will be on the 53-man roster. Okay, now, just for the listeners, uh, this is not a prepared segment. He, Nate is catching me just purely live, organic right here. All right. All right. You ready? Uh, I think so. All right. Um, Jalen Virgil. Ooh, that is a tough one. 53-man, yay. Or nay. Uh, I'm going to... And, and, and to preface it, Jalen Virgil's done some really good things. Um, all training camp, he's flashed as a guy who has better speed than everyone on the field. He's a he's a returner. Obviously, Montreal Washington is our number one returner, but you, it's always good to have two. He had a play in the game that he would like to get back, trying to return a ball he shouldn't have, bounced off him and went out of uh, bounds on the three. But he also had some good plays. So, Jalen Virgil, yes or no? Ah, uh, Jalen Virgil has he brings speed that no one else can bring. Uh, I'm not sure how uh, serious the injury is to Brandon Johnson. That has a little bit of factor in in this conversation as well. But I'm just gonna, say yes or no, Chip. I'm gonna I'm going to say no for Jalen Virgil, and the hopes would be to bring him back on practice squad. All right, no for Jalen practice squad potential. Okay, yes. you mentioned this guy, um, Brandon Johnson. Yes or no? Uh he's and he sprained his ankle on the very first play of the game, which is so unfortunate for that guy. You talk about, can you make an impression in this last game? Does this last game matter? We're going to see if that's true in the case of Brandon Johnson, but what do you think? Brandon Johnson, yes or no? Yes. Brandon Johnson makes the team. Yes. Okay, what about um, Brett Rippon? Uh, 53 man? I think Brett was more consistent. Uh, I know the interception at the goal line wasn't his best play. He was a little behind on that pass, and at the same time, KJ Hamler didn't really sell the outside move, so the DB was expecting him to come inside. Um, man, I think Brett Rippon was a, just a touch more consistent than Josh, but what uh, evaluation is Coach Hackett going to look at? Because just based on the preseason, I saw Josh ascending and Brett maybe being a little bit more static. Um, yes, I'm going to say Josh makes it. and Not Josh, I'm sorry. Brett makes the team. <laughs> Which one is the chance? It's Brett. It's Brett. Okay, Brett Rippon is your backup quarterback if yes. Chad Brown is your head coach. Yes. All right. Um, and that means Josh Johnson is going to get let go. Now, they can still bring Josh back on practice squad. The practice squad rules are different this year. It used to be practice squad was just for you know young guys who with less than three years' experience. They hadn't started more than a couple of games in the league. Now you can bring anybody back on practice squad. So Josh Johnson was on practice squad this year. So last year, I'm sorry. So despite being 36 years old and having starts under his belt and played for four different professional leagues, he can still be a practice squad guy. J.R. Reed. Mm. Safety. Yeah. That's, uh, let me think, uh, Probably. How many safeties do you keep on a roster? Typically four. Okay. And that would be Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, Caden Stearns, and P.J. Locke. Right. Uh, J.R. Reed and Delarian Turner-Yale, uh, they showed some good stuff uh, on tape. But unfortunately, I don't think that puts them ahead of either Caden or P.J. Locke. He's saying Bassey. Um, probably not. I think Damari Mathis, Mathis um, being a younger guy, has a, a leg up there. Now, do they keep Michael Ojemudia on the 
active roster so then they can put him on short-term IR after that because you can't do that until he's on the active roster. So there's some roster manipulation that has to happen back there on the back end to get this all figured out. But to answer your question, uh, I don't think Bassey makes the final 53. Mm. Well, there's a lot of tough choices to make out there. Andrew Mason uh, projected his 53-man roster on DenverFan.com. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But first, how did the Rockies fare yesterday? I think you're going to like it. Here's Spilly to spill it. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. I'm so stupid. No. I thought we had Andrew, man. Uh, I was just so excited to talk to, to Andrew Mason. I teased it before the break, and you guys probably have forgot it anyway, so I didn't need to bring it up. But stick around till uh, 945. We're going to talk about Andrew Mason. So this just gives us the opportunity to keep talking about what we were talking about, Chad, and that is how to assemble this 53-man roster when you got a bunch of football players who have proven themselves worthy to be on the roster. Now, it is kind of funny, though, that after game two, right, against the Buffalo Bills, when they got steam. Oh, yeah, you play long enough, it's going to happen. No, but, like, literally? Um, <laughs> literally and figuratively, yes. You play long enough, it's going to happen. Someone literally handed you your butt? It felt like it. Here you go, sir. Yes. You dropped this. <laughs> Take that with you. Now leave. So... The point I was making the, the the second preseason game, the Broncos got beat up real bad, and the, and the discussion was like, oh, my God, the twos and threes are so bad. Mm-hmm. We have to get rid of all these guys. What is George Payton doing? What is Nate Hackett doing? These guys aren't very good football players. And I actually do remember hearing some dudes who played in the NFL who work on this station saying, these guys aren't good at football. <laughs> <laughs> They're bad at football, Chad. Uh-huh. So my question is, have things changed now? That things look better in the third preseason game? Are these guys good enough at football to keep around, or do we need to ship them all out? It's fascinating, the, the day-to-day, week-to-week nature of you know football media conversations. Um, I know it's not popular to you know be steady and even and, and not ride the ups and downs and not overreact to each up and down. Um, I think you've got to find a way to uh, level your thinking out. You know, just because a preseason game wasn't what you were hoping for, I think you can talk about the standard which just needs to be set and how this team needs to play and all that. But to say these guys aren't good at football, there were three tough practices that week, you know, where they tie. It was a, it's a long trip to Buffalo. It was an three, early start. Three tough practices, I know, Chad? I know. Oh, my gosh. So for you and I, that sounds ridiculous. But for the players, so does it to the layman, to to the to the listener out there who works hard every single day of his or her life. I agree, but for today's players, three tough practices in one week can be a lot mm. for them. Even so, in training camp, even in training camp. So for these guys to uh, not have you know all their bullets in their gun on on that Saturday against Buffalo, mm. I can see maybe how they got there. Do I like it? Does it make sense to me with my football background and experience? No, it's counter to my experience. 
same time, it is what it is. This is the lay of the land. This is the new NFL. So for guys that have the tough practices, long trip to Buffalo, the early kickoff start, all that kind of stuff, those could be reasons why things didn't look so good. But as we saw this week, we returned more to the standards. The physicality was back. Were there some gash run plays given up? Of course. It's twos and threes out there. You can't expect it to be perfect, but they play with a higher level of physicality. Everyone seemed to have a good idea of what was expected of them from a football playing standpoint. And guys who we hadn't seen play a whole lot uh, stepped up. And then guys like KJ Hamler, who hadn't played at all, also found ways to step up and show that he's ready to go. So is that a product of, of Nathaniel Hackett and his coaching staff getting the ship straightened out, getting these guys playing well together, or is that a product of these guys on their death knell trying to stick around in the league and putting everything out on the field for that moment personally to keep them around, or was that a reflection of where this team is going? I think it's uh, all of those. Coach Hackett lost his voice yelling at the offense. Um, you know, It's not great! It's not great! <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, you know, the conversations they had about the, the, the defense and that effort not being up to standards. Coach Evero talked about it. Coach Hackett talked about it. The guys talked about it. So uh, I think they understood from a messaging standpoint how that didn't line up. And I, part of the conversation about Coach Hackett has been, is he going to be able to issue bad news and be hard on the guys? Um, you know, I wasn't there. Was the paint blistered off the walls? I, I can't say. But I think a message was sent uh, and seemingly was received. Um, and then, yeah, you're looking at your football mortality uh, each time you look in the mirror because you you know you are preparing to play in this third preseason game and guys who whose futures are solid and solidified, they're not playing in this game. Therefore, your future is at question. So if you don't find a way to ramp it up and pull something extra out of yourself in these circumstances, then that speaks to your desire as a football player. And do you want to continue to be an NFL football player if you can't show up here with this Game three opportunity. So I think all those were a factor in the improved play we saw out there Saturday night. Okay, so we got we are having Andrew Mason come on next segment, and he's got his projected fifty three man uh, roster here. You and I last last segment were playing a little game, and is is this guy going to be on the active roster? Uh, a couple surprises in Andrew's fifty three. We'll ask him about it, but I want to ask you about it. He doesn't have Malik Reed making the team. Yeah. Do you agree with Andrew? Uh, and and by the way, he's got Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, Baron Browning, who had a pretty good game, right? Um, Jonathan Cooper and our first pick in the draft, Nick Benito, who's a second-round pick. Those are the five outside linebackers Andrew Mason has got making the team. I understand where Mace is coming from with this. And then if you think about this team uh, – who is a better option to pick up more draft picks? And we know George Payton likes draft picks than as far as trade bait than Malik Reed. Malik Reed is an established NFL player. He's got production on his side. Um, at the same time, the Broncos have a glut of young guys with Browning, Cooper, and Benito at the edge spot. And with question, you know, if, is Bradley Chubb going to be re-signed? Uh, with some question marks about Randy Gregory's health in the long term because of his injury history. I think it's smart to look at this, some of these young guys and give them that opportunity, can save some money along the way kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm not surprised that Malik Reed's not on there. And of all the guys uh, who have had a solid uh, playing experience the last couple years on this Broncos team, going into this season with the depth of this position, I thought there was some a chance that he, I won't call it being trouble, but could be a guy who could potentially be some trade bait, and that seems to be the situation he's going to be in. Trade bait. George Payton likes his picks. Yes. 
He's only got five going into next season. And I'm sure he wants to double enough. that. Yeah, give me ten. That's Let's, not enough. Let's double it up. So you're saying Malik Reed might be a good option to get some picks or I, a pick? I would think so. With the confidence they've gained with these young guys, Nick Benito played his best game of the preseason uh, on Saturday night, uh, showed some of the reasons why he was drafted. Um, Baron Brown has obviously been the star. And then Jonathan Cooper, coming back from the finger injury, missing most of the offseason, uh, seems to you know be a, a more than capable player as well. So um, Malik Reed, unfortunately, I, I think uh, will no longer be a Bronco. Mm. Uh, maybe he makes the final 53, and one of these other guys, go. maybe Cooper goes on practice squad, and then there's a trade so they can you know get rid of Malik Reed, get some draft picks back, and then elevate Cooper to the 53-man roster. Funny how the NFL works, too, because Malik Reed has done absolutely nothing. Nope, nothing to deserve all. not making this team. Yeah. He actually led the team in sacks a couple of years ago and has proven to be a very reliable player, and now we're talking about him being shipped out. We'll see if that happens. Another player that who, Andrew Mason believes, uh, is going to get cut is a guy who had the best game out of anybody on the field the other night, McTelvin Ajim. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Matt Henningsen has been consistently getting better during training camp. The rookie out of Wisconsin finds ways to get better uh, with each opportunity. Um, he's very complete. Um, coaches definitely spoke very highly of him. Um, so it may be a case of too little too late for McTelvin versus a cheaper guy like uh, Matt Henningsen. I'm going to ask Andrew about this, but he's got a, well, maybe a surprise cut at specialist, at punter. He's got Corliss Waitman making the squad. Do you think Sam Martin's going to win the job? Or is uh, Corliss Waitman going to win the job? Sam certainly didn't do himself any favors with the pregame ankle injury mm. before the Buffalo Bills game. You think that could get him cut? Oh, man. Or a guy like Coach Stukes, right? He's, he doesn't like that stuff. It's it's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, he was catching passes and attempted to, to toe-tap in the end zone. So uh, apparently he hurt his ankle doing that. It's... Um, Oh, well, here's the here's the, the news right now. Uh, punter Sam Martin is being released today by Denver after indicating he would refuse any pay reduction. He was a top five punter statistically in 2021 and set the Broncos' all-time record for net punting last season. Will have interest. This is from Ian Rappaport on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, Corliss waiting. Bye-bye, Sammy. Yeah, uh, I think as a punter, you want to you wanna flex um, when there's competition in, in the room. Um, and the competition wasn't so much about the net putting average, but more about the ability to have great ball placement. Coach Stukes talked about how that was a priority for this punting battle. Uh, Sam Martin looks like he's no longer going to be a Bronco. So Sam Martin wasn't placing the ball well? Not as well as Waitman was. Is that right? Because yes. that was Sam's strength. Like last year, he was, I think he set a Broncos record for net punt. Right, but net punt is different than placement. If, if we call it, you know, deep punt left, it better be on the left. And it but better doesn't be in- good net punt indicate good placement? Uh, not always. Okay, it could just be good coverage. Well, the good coverage is based on the placement. It is. Because you got to know where it's going but I, and, and attack that area. Like, I've been on punt teams where the, where the punt placement was so bad, we say punt left, and so we all go left, and the right. punt goes right. We're out of place, and then it's a big return because we're not in the right place. But why would Coach Stukes specifically go into details about placement being the most important part of this battle um, if placement wasn't an issue last year? I hear you. And, uh, and now we got a new punter around. Um, and so that's the, big, that's the first big news of the day. Sam Martin is gone. Uh, Corliss Waitman is your Broncos' new punter. 
And next, we're going to talk to Andrew Mason about all this stuff and more. That's next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Welcome in senior Broncos rider on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. We're not going to keep you long. We know you got work to do. Andrew Mason, how are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing pretty well. Big day for the Broncos. They got to cut down, well, by tomorrow to 53. We just saw that a, a move was made to, to let Sam Martin walk in favor of Corliss Waitman. Can you talk a little bit about why that decision was made? Yeah, I mean, this is, this, this is simple economics of the salary cap here. Uh, Sam Martin, including uh, the the dead money that'll exist. Uh, Sam Martin, if the Broncos had kept him, he would have been uh, carrying a two point seven uh, million dollar salary cap number uh, heading into this year. The Broncos and uh, you know, Corliss Waitman, he is uh, he's league minimum for a guy going into his uh, his second season. Of course, he he punted briefly for Pittsburgh last year, and. This is it's simple economics. Sam Martin, in terms of the net exchange between the two, uh, the Broncos save one point four two five million dollars of cap space by going with Waitman over Martin. So according to uh, according to Ian Rappaport, um, they asked Martin to take a pay cut. Pay cut. He declined, and they said, "Fine, we're going to go with uh, Corliss Waitman." And uh, who's the better punter, a- Andrew? I, honestly, that's, based on what we saw this summer, they're close to equal. Um, Martin, Martin has in the preseason, Martin had a slightly higher, uh, gross average, but Corliss Waitman had a better net punting average, which is probably more crucial. The other thing is Dwayne Stukes has talked about how hang time is a factor. And one interesting thing in the preseason games, and we could even see this in the practices is that Corliss Waitman consistently had better hang times, which limits returns. None of Corliss Waitman's six punts in the preseason were returned, were returned largely because of the hang time, whereas for Sam Martin, he had four preseason punts. He missed out his opportunity in Buffalo because of the pregame injury. Two of them were returned, one of them on Saturday for a 21-yarder, and that bears, and that reflects what we saw uh, in the practices when they when they punted as well, that Corliss Waitman was winning the hang time battle uh, most days against uh, Sam Martin. So uh, it's it's what they it's it's what uh, Dwayne Stukes values. He wants a placement punter. He wants a punter that's going to limit returns. And uh, on balance, they were close. To, they they were pretty close to equal if you factor in distance. But uh, if they're pretty close to equal, you're going to go with a younger and cheaper guy. Uh, looking at the cornerback room in your uh, final fifty three. Mace, uh, you don't have Michael make, Michael Ojemudia making this uh, Final 53 roster. Um, he was a darling of the coaches during the offseason, how much uh, progress he made. They loved the way he, he played and his attitude and all that. Uh, where did the where did Michael go wrong, and where did Damari Mathis and Isain Bassey go right? I mean, uh, Ojemudia got plenty of chances with the ones during training camp. I mean, but he... He, he struggled in coverage and, uh, you know, Damari Mathis is still coming along and he still has his ups and downs. No doubt. We've seen that on practice field. We've seen that in the game, but it's a simple matter of, okay, Moody is going into his third year. Damari Mathis is a rookie. You're looking at, okay, if we keep them both, uh, where are they a year from now? And, and, and this is another thing is, uh, you know, 
Damari Mathis was picked by George Payton, and uh, Michael Ojemudia was uh, picked by picked by John Elway. I mean, Payton is still doing quite a bit of work on the uh, restoration of the overall uh, roster, and uh, I think uh, that factor plus the fact that uh, Mathis is a couple years younger and uh, can pro- and can probably get better and reflects what they what they want in the cornerback position a little bit more. That's why I had him on the 53 instead of OJ Moody. All right, one more question for you. I know you got to go, um, and we'll keep this brief, but uh, this was sent in by a texter in response to your comment about Sam Martin being a casualty to free up cap space. What are they going to do with the available cap space that they're freeing up by cutting Martin? Is there Are there some surprise signings on the horizon? I mean, you could fortify inside linebacker. It would not surprise me at all if they look to fortify corner and get one more experienced guy there in on the back end. But even if they don't use it, you can carry over every dollar that you don't spend from this year to the next, to, to the next year and the years beyond that. And so I don't think you have to have a specific position or player in mind to be able to get value out of it because you are going uh, into a future where Russell Wilson at some point, probably by 2024 is going to carry a $50 million cap cap figure and even with a salary cap going up, he's going to eat up a higher percentage of that cap. So every dollar can help you there. All right, Andrew, get back to work. You got a, you got a story to file. <laughs> All right. Thanks, fellas. Have a great morning. Thanks, buddy. All right. We got a couple minutes left in the segment. And uh, by popular demand, uh, we are going to discuss our boy, Gee Butter Boy, <laughs> Panchakarma guy, uh, Internet Bro Motivator, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers went on the Joe Rogan podcast to talk about well a lot of stuff but he waxed poetic about his infamous um press conference in which he was asked are you vaccinated and he said yes i'm immunized this is this was his quote here he said i'd been ready the entire time for this question and had thought about it how i wanted to answer it and i had come to the conclusion i'm gonna say i've been immunized and if there's a follow-up then talk about my process But I thought there's a possibility that I say I'm immunized. Maybe they understand what that means. Maybe they don't. Maybe they follow up. They didn't follow up. So then I I go into the season with them thinking, some of them, that I was vaccinated. What are your thoughts on that answer? He purposely chose that to create some uh, confusion at the very least. Um, So the, the, the question was very specific. Are you vaccinated? And he went with an answer that would kind of play into that a little bit with the, you know, the, the, the use of the word immunized. Um, it's Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers, you know, um, not surprised at all with, with the initial answer, uh, nor am I surprised now with the more detailed of how he came to that. Um, again, smartest guy in the room, knew the question would come, thought he had an answer for it, tried to fool people. He went on to say, I knew at some point if I contracted COVID or if word got out because it's the NFL and there's leaks everywhere, it was possible I'd have to answer the questions. And that's when the S storm hit because now I'm a liar. I'm endangering the community, my teammates, all these people. And then, you know, attempted takedown of me and, you know, my word and my integrity began. Do you feel sorry for Aaron Rodgers? Uh, no, he chose to play that game. That's <laughs> that on him. He's the one who chose to try to parse words and and create some spin when he knew the question was coming and thought about it and came up with an answer to purposely muddy the waters. So I have no empathy for him there. 
He also discussed the uh, stooge, as he called him, that the NFL sent over to the team to try to get uh, to try to, as he as he put it, to get the team to take the vaccine to try to get him up above the team above ninety percent vaccinated status. And uh, Aaron said that he quote unquote mopped the floor with this guy in front of the team, asking him questions about liability and things that this guy couldn't answer. Um, has Aaron Rodgers now, because of the way this this story has evolved over the last couple of years, been vindicated? <sighs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people died uh, due to COVID. So uh, I, I'm not sure where they thought of I'm going to suddenly turn into a you know peacock and strut my feathers around because I chose not to be vaccinated, where that is some kind of source of, of pride. Uh, clearly, COVID was a global pandemic uh, just simply on based on the numbers alone. Um, so, yeah, to, to now say, well, I never got the vaccine, and so therefore I'm right because I didn't die. It's an odd way of, of looking at it uh, that doesn't look accurately at all. all the families, communities that were deeply affected by this. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, has, has there been a lesser efficacy of the vaccines than uh, than props were hoped or touted initially? Sure. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the sciences of, of vaccines is a difficult one. But the thought that, you know, somehow you were absolutely right and everyone else was absolutely wrong, uh, that's a step too far for me. Do you think the NFL's learned anything through this process that they can apply if something like this happens again? Uh, well, I mean, we'll see how this whole monkeypox thing goes, although they already have a vaccine in place for that. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone has learned. Everyone has learned something uh, about this process. It was, you know, the first time in, you know, my understanding of any modern history where we were confronted with something that uh, could potentially be so deadly that could overwhelm all our hospital systems and create the situation that would be literally out of control. So uh, efforts were taken to prevent that from happening. Uh, were steps gone too far? Uh, I suppose that's for historians to tell. Um, but, uh, yeah, the the vindication of Aaron Rodgers and, and his uh, immunized and when not vaccined stance, um, I, I think that's, again, that's, that's something I don't feel comfortable with saying he, he was vindicated. Well, um, when we get back, you are going to enlighten us with distractions. Yes, I will. That's next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.